Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Break the Cycle with me, your host, Joshua Smith. I think uh, I think this is like episode 64 or something, man. This is wild, wild. I started, uh, I think it was March 3rd was my first show, and uh, here we are a few months later at 65 episodes or 64 episodes. Uh, we're getting really close to the magical number of 69. I know that much is for sure. For sure. But anyways, guys, I hope everyone is having a wonderful Thursday. Uh, I hope you guys have, are, are getting really excited for the weekend. Uh, I know some of you guys are at Freedom Fest uh, this week, and I'm, I'm envious and jealous. Uh, not at all jealous. No, I'm very upset. I wish I was there. Uh, next year, I'm doing Pork Fest and Freedom Fest for sure. Uh, there's, there's no wild horses that are going to drag me away. But anyways, check out some sponsors, Coffee for all your delicious Italian coffee needs delivered directly to your door. Bring the taste of Italy home. Use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount. And of course, my friend, my partner on the show, one of the coolest guys you'll ever meet, TopLobster.com for all your uh, graphic design tees and hats and shirts and backpacks and all that great stuff, including this great The Gun Debate is Over shirt that I'm wearing today uh, with the ever-popular ghost gun on it. Use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount or join the Patreon subscribe star or the uh, YouTube membership and you will get into the Discord chat, private Discord chat with 70-something people, including people like Angela McArdle and Stefan Kinsella and even our guest tonight, uh, where you will get new Top Lobster designs up to two weeks earlier before they go out to, to the general population and, uh, and you'll get them at like a 30% discount, super deep discount. Of course, executive producers of the show, AnthemPlanning.com, for all your emergency and crisis planning needs. Check these people out today. See what they can do for your home, business, or personal life. They're doing a wonderful job that the government sucks at much more efficiently and much cheaper. Guys, tonight, I have an awesome guest on. He's a good friend. He's also one of the executive producers of the show, uh, if you can believe that. And uh, by the way, if you become an executive producer of the show, you get to have uh, occasionally come on the show like this. But... This is not the reason I'm having the gentleman on. He's very interesting. Uh, he runs Bi- Biblical Anarchy. Is that the name of your podcast? It's uh, Daniel 3 Biblical Anarchy. Daniel 3 Biblical Anarchy. Yes. He's a, he's a great guy, Mises Caucus member, libertarian. Jacob Winograd, how you doing today, sir? I am fantastic, man. I'm happy to be here. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for having me. So, so hey, listen, why don't you get into depth about your journey the Liberty, it's something I like to start as if, if, if my guests don't know who you are, I always want to start off with that. Cause I think it's a, it's a good segue into other things, man. Sure. Yeah. I, I'm a bit of a sojourner as far as my political journey, man. I've, I've, I've been almost everywhere except like communism, I guess. But I mean, I was, um, I was raised in like a conservative household. My dad was like a constitutionalist Republican, but you know, had libertarian leanings. Um, but you know, after high school and stuff, I kind of fell in to the left. I was a Bernie Sanders supporter, like back in 2015. Um, so, you know, I, I, I did care a little bit about war and I had some like libertarian leanings and stuff, but you know, really bad on economics. Um, but just, you know, happened to meet the right people at the right time, got introduced to Dave Smith, Tom Woods, and, and, you know, got, uh, the, the economic debunking of, uh, centralization and, and Keynesian economics and socialism and all that. Um, and yeah, became a libertarian and, uh, an anarchist back in like 2018, 20, you know, late, late, yeah, like mid 2018. And then, um, Got involved in the the Mises Caucus and all that, and uh, started my my page and my podcast, Daniel Three Biblical Anarchy, because um, I'm a very religious Christian, and uh, I after became becoming a libertarian, kind of was like, all right, 
um, how does this, you know, work with my religious beliefs? You know, are these things that I have to, you know, comp- um, like compartmentalize and keep separate or are these things that go together? Um, and that led me on a journey to where I'm at today, where I think that to be a consistent Christian, to be a consistent follower of Jesus Christ uh, necessitates that you must be a libertarian and I think, you know, go the whole way, be an anarchist and completely uh, denounce the state uh, as a, uh, you know, it, not being legitimate in a moral or political sense. Yes. But yeah, that's I, where I'm at. I agree. I agree fully, man. Uh, so, so this, this journey into the Libertarian Party, the Mises Caucus, uh, this, this, this uh, departure from some, from socialism and a lot of there's, it's funny because you'll meet a lot of religious people. They like socialism is the real right? sharing and, this and they, socialism just means socialism just means really truly collective uh, ownership of the, of the means of, of uh, uh, industry. So, uh, it, it's really not like you don't have to be a socialist to be religious, right? And, and oh no, not at all, so, not at all. I mean, really, you can't. Like, how can you share without private property rights? Like, if you don't, if if you don't have the starting point of there are things that are mine, then then you can't share. If everything's collectively owned, there's no such thing as charity or or sharing with people. You know what I mean? If everything's just uh publicly owned then like you actually can't have acts of good service you can't do the things that jesus told you to do um and you know certainly i mean you could get into the nuances of libertarian socialism versus authoritarian socialism but uh but it's certainly not through uh you know yeah jesus tells us to care for the least of these to care for the widow for the for the orphan and all that but um he tells you to do that doesn't tell you to you know issue a third party to do that for you through uh, violent means like taxation and redistribution of wealth. Sure, sure, absolutely. And and it's uh it's so we already have a awesome super chat. Thank you from the Catholic Libertarian, uh, ten dollars super chat. And and this is something that we definitely need to get into when we're when we're talking about this. Uh, he says Christians can't be anarchists because of Romans thirteen. What do what do you have to say about that? <laughs> Uh, I I know who that is. He's trolling us, <laughs> but um, he's a friend of mine. Um. Oh boy. So Romans 13, I didn't think we were going to get into that quick, but um, you know, it is the boogeyman. (laughs) Yeah, it was really, that's the fastest Romans 13 has come up in a podcast yet. Um, Even the podcast I did on Romans 13, I didn't lead that quickly into it. But um, I go into this much more in detail on my podcast, so I'll try to do like the the Reader's Digest version. Um, You know, first of all, any passage in the Bible, like you got to read it in context, you know, and, and especially like the book of Romans is a letter. The chapter divisions weren't even there originally. You have to read the whole thing. So to understand Romans 13, you got to understand uh, who wrote it, which was Paul. You have to understand who he was writing it to. And you got to read everything before and after it. But to focus in on Romans 13, um, Romans 13 talks about submitting to uh, governing authorities because uh, all authority comes from God and that the authorities are there to administer civil justice. And there's really nothing there that specifically says that we have to submit to a state. And um, the kind of proof line in Romans 13 is um, the part where Romans 13, Paul goes into saying that the governing authorities, and the Greek word he uses is exousia, he says that the, uh, the higher exousia are not a tear to good works, but to those who do evil. It doesn't bear the sword in vain. It protects the innocent and goes after those who initiate force. So 
if you have any institution and you're trying to hold it up and justify it by Romans 13, it can't violate the prescribed roles that Romans 13 lays out. Romans 13 says that the governing authorities aren't a terror to, to those who do good. Please give me one example of one state in the modern era or throughout history that has not been a terror to innocent people, that doesn't lock people up for nonviolent crimes. That's, that a, that's a tall order, buddy. Yeah, that hasn't <laughs> initiated you know, endless wars that have, that have destroyed countless uh, innocent human beings. I mean, there is – so listen – like this gets into like a lot of complex libertarian theory about like the division between what we call like the state and like capital G government versus like the act of governing. And we're not against, you know, like what we would call like market governance or the idea that sure, like we're not, you know, whole, the whole saying like anarchy means no, no rulers, not no rules. Like certainly we're, we're not, you know, saying that there aren't rules. We do want there to be people who go out there and restrain evil. If somebody breaks contract, if someone violates someone's property rights, if somebody um, murders somebody, there needs to be some kind of uh, uh, um, institution or, or people out there that administer civil justice, that, that bring restitution um, w when property rights are violated or when force is initiated against somebody. But you don't need a state to do that. And actually, when you create a state, you are, you are, um, you are actually going against what Romans 12 says. Roman tw Romans 12 says, uh, do not repay evil for evil, but overcome evil with good. The state is fundamentally evil. It's fundamentally a system of coercion that that violates the very thing that Romans 13 is talking about. So when people bring up Romans 13 like it's um, uh, some kind of like, you know, haymaker that just ends the entire discussion, they couldn't be more wrong. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I I don't know, man. It's 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 been one of those interesting topics for a long time. This this kind of like anarchy versus religion and how they can go well, Christianity especially, and how they can go hand in hand. Obviously, uh, it'd be pretty hard to to argue that like with with uh, uh, Islam, right? Uh, but but Christianity has some some passages as well uh, that you know like give unto Caesar what Caesar's that kind of stuff where it's like. Oh, That's yeah. the other one that gets brought up. But yeah. you know what's funny is that Jesus was more of a – like you know what's funny? Like to connect this a bit to like you know we're both part of the Mises caucus and you know people get on – people's like people don't like when there's uh, guys like Nick Ashley or you and others who are like you know shit posting and edgelording and being sarcastic snarky assholes on the internet. Jesus kind of did a lot of that to be honest and, and the whole render unto Caesar – was actually Jesus kind of giving a snarky, sort of like brilliant, clever answer to what was really a well-laid trap by the Pharisees. The Pharisees were trying to get Jesus to either get in trouble with the Romans or to get in trouble with the Jews. Um, you remember how like in, in the New Testament, there's a lot of talk about uh, like tax collectors being like people you shouldn't associate with. And that was because like- I'm so, the I'm Jewish so triggered right now. You said tax collector, yeah. sorry. I think it might be the first <laughs> time it's ever been said on my show. Um. But um, I, I always like that. Like uh, Jesus says, like people would accuse Jesus, like he hangs out with sinners and tax collectors. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's the worst. Like uh, you hang out, hang out with prostitutes. That's okay, Jesus. But tax collectors, that's you, you've gone too far. We got to draw a line. We got to draw a line <laughs> at tax collectors. You know what right. I mean? Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, in uh, fact, you know, our our uh, our pastor gave a sermon. We go to a we go to a uh, a Christian church, but it's like a Torah observant Christian church as well because we're 
you know, I, I got Jewish family and, um, and, uh, yeah, me too. Yeah. And, and Julia is really a big fan of, of the Torah and, and Judaism, but she's still a religious Christian. And so it's a kind of a cool church that lets us, you know, it, it, it kind of stays true to somewhat to the Torah, which is a lot like the old Testament, but, um, he was, he was almost saying the same thing that you're saying. He actually talked about that passage and was just like, you know, uh, you know, render under Caesar what's Caesar's, but really nothing Caesar's. So. Exactly. That's the whole, the whole point of that. He says, render to Caesar what is Caesar's, but to God what is God's. And it was Jesus getting out of, because what the Pharisees wanted him to do was to either get in trouble with the Jews by saying you should pay to Caesar, which people would be like, okay, but Caesar's claiming to be God, basically, and, you know, this is a false you know, government, false, uh, evil um, empire that's ruling over us, and you shouldn't be advocating for that. But if he would have said, don't pay to Caesar, well, then they could have gotten Jesus arrested. So what Jesus gave was a really brilliant answer that cut through to the actual truth of the matter. And when we, it's not even just that we need to ask, you know, everything belongs to God in a Christian sense, but also when Jesus says, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, that means what is rightfully his not just whatever he claims is his. If we're going to say that any, like, you know, states or uh, people who are uh, governors or, or emperors or kings, that anything they claim is theirs is rightfully theirs, how, like, how would you distinguish that from, like, a mugger who comes up, holds a gun against you, says, give me your wallet? Like, well, you, you, you just claimed my wallet is yours by force, so I, I guess you're entitled to it. No, that by no means. Actually, the Bible is very much in line with, like, the Austrian uh, view of libertarianism, which is, like, property rights. I mean, let's go to the Ten Commandments. Uh, don't murder and don't steal. I mean, that's pretty much the nap, right? That's pretty much, self, like, self-ownership well, it's, it's and, also, and it's property also what, rights. It's also what government right does all the time, so. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's just, yeah, I mean, the, the problem is the state takes anything and twists it to, uh, make it easier for them to control people. And there's a lot of scripture, a lot of a lot of teachings in the Bible, Old and New Testament, that um, for for centuries, when the church was mixed with the state, and this really started with like Constantine and and and, and Roman Catholicism, um, you know, that was the start of this this mixture, this entanglement. And um, there's a really good book you should read by by the way called Jesus Untangled by Keith Giles. Um, and uh, really good at like like talking about this stuff, and there's this entanglement between politics and and religion that really starts with Constantine. And um, the you know it's easy to to a lot of the complaints that people have with Christianity, really I think ends up being sourced to this thing where Christianity went away from what Christ actually taught, which is like what did Christ teach? He taught to be a servant. He said to be a leader, to be to, to, to follow after me is to be a servant. I mean, this was like, if you're going to, you know, sip the Kool-Aid, so to speak, if you believe in Jesus and he is who he says he is, that means that he was God come down in human form. And what does he do? He, he, he feeds uh, those who need fed. He sits down and, 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 and converses with and loves those who society has cast out. He washes his apostles' feet. Okay. This is the, this is the Jesus of the Bible. This is not the Jesus of 
the, that the state wants to talk to you about, though, because they don't want to teach the idea of volunteerism. They don't want to teach the ideas of, of social cooperation and personal responsibility. They want to teach you to fear the state, to obey the state, and to rely upon the state. So they'll twist anything, any religion, any ideology, um, you know, th th they will twist to, to control people. And, and that's what's happened with Christianity. But there's a lot of Christian uh, Christians who are waking up to that. And th they, they've been there throughout history. But now with the Internet, we're all able to talk to each other and, and really, you know, there's there's more Christian libertarians than people realize. The problem is like we're all scattered. You know, we're not all congregated in 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 one church. Although that would be amazing if we could actually have like a like Christian Liberty Church. I mean that you know that would be kind of like you know do do something like the Free State Project, but with Christian libertarians. I'd be all about that. Um, you know, make a do a do a like an Amish thing. I always tell people like we need to get Christian libertarians together and follow after the Amish and and try to like secede from the state as a Christian libertarian community, but that's a whole other can of worms. Yes, let's do it. Come, come out here to the middle of the country, man. It's uh, it's a lot of, a lot of land for that out here. Definitely. I, we got a, a super chat from one of my favorite dudes in the movement, Reed Parnell, uh, $20 super chat. Thank you, sir. He said two of my favorite people in the Liberty movement on the same podcast, question mark. I wanted to make sure everyone knew it was a question. Uh, may Christ bless you both and your families. How much do I have to super chat to get you to good cop, bad cop, the faker Terrians? Well, I think we already kind of do that, Jacob, don't we? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's pretty much. I mean, um, you know, my appearance on the podcast uh, late last year, I think I played the good cop. And then, um, you know, you went on with Nick uh, last week and just shit on them for an hour. And it was amazing. So, I mean, yeah, that's I think we're doing a good job of that already. I mean, to be fair, I've been shitting on them for like like at least at least a year now. It's funny because you know I've talked about this on the show, but I I uh, I was one of the founders of Fakertarians, and I was one of the founders of the the page that we had before Fakertarians that was Think Liberty um, that I left a long time ago, and I left Fakertarians when they started going after fucking Larry. Excuse my language. I know you're very religious. I apologize. Uh, oh, you can curse around me because I, I say the f word like crazy. <laughs> if you watch my yeah, show, I do you know. too. Yeah. Uh, but so so I uh they started going after Larry Sharp, like, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm out of here, man. That's cool. I'm, I'm like running for chairman of the party, and I'm like, you're going after the most prominent. Like, they go after Spike Cohen, dude. I mean, no one is safe. I mean, this is like, and, and I know they'll be like, oh, we're not all leftists. Like, no, no, fuck it. You guys are fucking leftists, and the left eats its own. That's what they do. I mean, nobody is good enough for their stupid, insane, woke virtue signaling standards where it's just like and and they don't, you know, like I don't want to make this podcast about them and bitching about them. We've already given them more lip service than we need to. But, yeah, I mean, they just I, I tried for a long time. I mean, to, to try to like engage with them in good faith. But after watching what they did to people like you going after your family and stuff. And and then people in these same circles have gone after friends of mine, going after Mike Heiss, going after Dave Smith, going after uh, my, my friend Reed, you know, doxing his, his, you know, private information. Just these people have no fucking honor. They have no fucking standards. And um, yeah, Jesus says to turn the other cheek. And, you know, uh, I try to practice that, practice that as much as I can. But, you know, he also chased people out of the temple with whips. And he called Pharisees, you know, like the worst names in the book, called them like, you know, like you fucking, uh, you know, vipers and snakes and stuff like that. So, you know, there is a line. And at some point where people engaging in bad faith, just um, they're they're no longer worth trying to engage in good faith.
Sure, sure, absolutely. Somebody, somebody dropped in the in the chat. Josh, sure, sure, Smith. Yes, I say sure, sure a lot. I know, I know. Yeah. It's just me agreeing with. <laughs> it's not a, it, the funny thing. It's not always me agreeing with my guest either. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah. I, I heard you agreeing with Hotep and this and that and this and that. And I was like, no, nah, I just say sure, sure to like, like reinforce that I'm listening. Right. Yeah. No, if you don't pick every fight with like, I don't think these people will know how to run a podcast because it's just like you don't invite somebody on. I mean, now, if you wanted to, you could you could say, hey, I want to have a debate with you. And then you structure a debate. And if you want to do that, go ahead. But I think. For the most part, people enjoy conversations more than they do debates. Sure. Um, debates are much more about like who can manipulate arguments and kind of like win word games and kind of like, I mean, they're, they're they're entertaining, but they're different. And I think people enjoy more these long form conversations where you just let people talk and you don't feel a need to challenge them on everything they say that you might have a different view on. Right. You know, it's like if I invite somebody on my show, um, you know, my, my purpose is not to sit there and like shout at them. Like, you know, people aren't going to want to come on my show if all I do is invite people on to, to shout at them. I mean, God. Yeah. Uh, Reed, Reed dropped another $10 super chat. Thanks, buddy. He said, every time Jacob bashes us Catholics, I'll donate $10 to his primary opponent for constable. This <laughs> is funny because Julia, uh, Julia is like super devout religious, but she, she says that Catholicism is a cult. And so she gives me a bunch of shit. Cause my mom's side of the family, my grandfather was, uh, uh, Italian Catholic. And so I went to Catholic mass a lot and stuff growing up. And I'm like, yeah, I don't see it. I just don't get it. And she's like, no, it's a cult. You're, you're in a cult. <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's okay. And it's, you know, nothing's monolithic. There's, there's different parts of Catholicism and different churches. And I, I mean, I don't like the Pope and there's things about the Catholic like hierarchy that I'm not a fan of, but then there's a lot of good Catholic Catholics, you know, now and in history that I can appreciate. There's parts of the, the Catholic uh, tradition I can appreciate. And, you know, listen, I'm not just because they're like, I, I, it's a historical fact that Catholics are the ones that started the entanglement. Like you can't really get around that. That doesn't mean that it has to be that way forever. doesn't mean that things can't change. Um, doesn't mean that, you know, if any, if anything, I would say Catholics need to be leading the charge to end the entanglement. We need more people like Tom Woods, more people like Reed, more people like Caleb with the Catholic libertarian. Like I want to, you know, like encourage my my Catholic friends who are libertarians, like be be vocal, be say, listen, we need to hold ourselves accountable. We started this shit and we got to be the ones to help set the uh, uh, set the record straight and, and get things back on track and get the church back to actually following Christ and not trying to, um, you know, uh, lobby to the state to play these dumb culture war games. Sure, sure, absolutely. Shout out to Ben Heckman. Uh, Ben's cool, man. I like him a lot. Uh, he's, yeah, I like Ben too. Yeah, he plays. He plays. A, he plays some really cool music that kind of gives me a nostalgia for like uh, early two thousands, late nineties, uh, like screamo, like traditional screamo, not like this, not like the the uh, skinny jeans, flop haircut screamo like old school screamo like you and i and page 99 stuff so I, this guy's really cool but he said you could be a follower of christ without being a christian yeah i don't i don't know that's kind of a semantics thing i mean um i think i think to be a christian means you're a follower of christ if anything i think he's got it backwards i think there are people who call themselves christians but aren't followers of christ and they're wrong to call themselves that. I mean, even Jesus says this. Jesus says in the Bible that there will be those who cry, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, uh, depart from me. I never knew you. And I think that's, um, you know, there's this thing 
and, and like you see this in the libertarian world too. There are these parallels, and like you know, like the, like with, with like Sal the agorist and uh, all the other people that like bitching about Dave Smith and all of us here in the Mises Caucus because like oh you're muddying the message and you're not like if we're anarchists we need to be as consistently with with our message as we can be you know like, and and like not be mel, muddying it like the male prostitute Cyprian is that you mean yeah <laughs> but um and, and then there's christians that do the same thing that like they 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 care more about they're like the pharisees right they care more about what jesus said jesus said that you dress yourself with the law but you have not written the the, the, the law is not alive the scriptures are not alive in your heart and and you know that's why like you were when you said like you know five minutes ago oh I don't want to curse around you because you're religious it's like cursing is not something that is um actually cursing is not something that I think is is a big deal I think a lot of religious people uh, misunderstand scriptures and stuff like you shouldn't when you cuss somebody out like you're cursing them or if you take the Lord's name in vain like you know that can be a little bit of a gray area but just i mean words change and and whatnot that's not a big deal um what matters more than like me speaking in the most like professional decorum most like you know sugar-coated rainbows and unicorns fashion what matters more is my actions and my heart this is the second time you've triggered me now because you use the word decorum by the way i'm (laughs) super triggered now (laughs) But what happens the third time? Is there is it like a uh, like a you're gonna send me to the gulag? Uh, helicopters uh, come flying to my house. Yeah, we're you know <laughs> we're more fans of helicopters than gulags on this show, I think. But uh, you know, I have probably have a couple of followers here who who are into the gulags too. But it's not really my thing. You know what I mean? I, and when I say helicopters, I mean a helicopter ride where I teach you about economics. That's it. That's all I meant. I, you know, right? Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, oh, man, it's pretty wild. Uh, hey, so so let's talk about LPPA, man, and, and the Mises stuff that happened down over there. What, what oh, was your take on that craziness? Uh, that was a fucking day, man. I mean, the convention was a shit show, and I don't want to get too much back into the convention, but it was, I mean, um, if that would have, like... If that would have been my intro into the Libertarian Party, I would have, like, quit, never come back. Anybody who comes back after that shit show, like, you know, more power to them. I mean, LPPA is this weird, this weird um, tension and, 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 and factions fighting. And it's like the, 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 the powers that be in the LPPA. Um, and we've been fighting a lot and like we, things simmered down for a little bit after the convention. But then they've been kind of like heating back up again. And the 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 current leadership in the LPPA they want to talk a lot about how we have the most elected libertarians in the country and it's like okay true let's go a little bit dig a little deeper than that you guys have the most elected on paper but 95% of those people ran uncontested which means that like they basically won because they showed up now i'm not saying don't do that like, I'm all for getting libertarians into office. And I think that, you know, like, I'm doing that right now. I'm I'm going to be running for constable in an uncontested uh, race in my borough. But I'm not going to go around and uh, act like I got a big dick because I went, I you know, I showed up. I mean, like, sure, it's a little bit of work to go out and get signatures and stuff. And I'm not saying it's nothing. But we shouldn't be... <sighs> like, I'm also in business, right? And we're trying to sell people on liberty, trying to sell people on the LP. And, you know, you, you need good marketing. You need to attract people to the product you're trying to sell. But 
as much as bad messaging can take the form of like you're not effectively selling yourself and your product, it can also come in the form of overselling. You know what I mean? And acting like you have more to offer than what you really have. And that's what I don't like. And that's what a lot of like uh, sometimes it seems like the the LPPA and also like the 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 Libertarian Party as a whole across yeah, dude, the entire the, the country. The Libertarian Party has been doing this for 50 years. They're like, yeah, we won. And you're like, what did you win? They're like uh, two really small uh, seats on county boards and and then and then nothing else. And you're like, oh, all right, cool, man. Like, you know what I mean? It's it's how it is. It really they've been doing well, they it get- for 50 years. They get so offended. They'll be like, um, like if I say something like the Libertarian Party has been a joke, and people get so offended, so butthurt, and be like, like, oh, well, thanks for saying that everything I've done over the past, you know, 10, 20, 30 years means nothing, and I'm just a big joke. I'm like, well, first of all, I didn't say you were a joke, okay? So don't take it, to, like, stop taking it so personally. Like, I'm saying the party has been a joke insofar as, like, what do we have to show for all this effort? And it's not that I don't commend you for trying. But can we at least be honest about where we're at now and say, maybe what we've been doing hasn't been working and we need to try something different? You know what I mean? Like, isn't the definition of insanity to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again? And I'm not against incrementalism, but, you know, I think Jeremy Kaufman brought up a good point um, on – he said this on, like, my podcast and I think on yours too, which is, like, you know, the time for incremental growth where you're going, like, oh, we need to go from – 30 to 35 percent and 35 to 38 percent comes like when you've gotten to those kind of numbers but when you're like at one percent you can't be playing this game of like oh we're going to go from one to two percent and from two to three percent and and be playing conservative you know what i mean like and sometimes it feels like the libertarian party and and the lppa does this sometimes too it's like they're acting like they they're play the way they're acting as is almost like a football team that would be down four scores but playing conservatively like you would when you have a lead it's like if you're down 28 points in the fourth quarter and you call a draw play on on you know third down like you know what i mean like i don't know how much you watch football so i don't know if that analogy makes sense but it's just a whole yeah so you know what i mean it's like if you're down 20 points in the fourth quarter and you're like oh let's um let's run an iso run play up the middle it's like Dude, what the fuck? Like, you know, go five wide and bomb it already, you know? Go go no huddle. Like, do something. Show some energy. And, you know, whether that's with messaging, whether that, you know, is, is how you're running campaigns, your your political strategy, and, and just how you market yourself. And don't, you know, we should be proud of the philosophy of liberty, okay? And, and I'm not saying we can't celebrate victories where we have them, but let's not act like, we are anywhere close to actually taking on the state in any meaningful way right now because we're just not. No, not at all. It's and you know it's it's hard to to explain this to people that you know the bold messaging that we've been dealing with is actually what's going to probably prop us up to make a party that can actually do. You know, it's like you know I started talking about this a lot on the show lately. This this term regime libertarians. Uh, you know, I heard this from Lou Rockwell. It's some, a term that I never actually really paid any attention to. And now I understand like these blue pilled libertarians, like the Andy Craig's and the beltway libertarians of, of the party that are leaving in droves because they can't, they can't compete. Yeah. With I was about to say who? Yeah, exactly. Who? <laughs> they, uh, they, they want to pander to the, the DC elite, the beltway elite, and they want to be like them. So they make this party as milk toast as possible, and they make it basically uh, another iteration of the two old parties to the point of where it's like, 
Why would anyone join a party that's just like their party, but not even a fraction of the success? Hi, kids. Do you like violence? Are you sick to death of pussyfooting around the truth while being constantly fed lies by news and big tech tyrants? If so, then come join me, Dan Smots, on The System Is Down, where we get weird, have fun, and dig into all the dangerous taboo topics like conspiracies, politics, religion, culture, current events, and everything your family just prays you don't bring up around the Thanksgiving dinner table. And I know that reality is scary to some people, so if you're easily offended, just ignore this and go back to making cat memes or whatever. But if you're ready to change the world for the better, come join me on The System Is down at tsidpod.com or wherever you get podcasts that's tsidpod.com because the system is down and truth is taking over right Why? and another thing is like i mean so like you talk about your trigger words one of my trigger words is duopoly i was kidding by the way and i'm it, not really i don't really get triggered oh i know i know but like I, I almost do get triggered when I hear like people, we got to end the duopoly. And it's like, I get what you're talking about. And I'm not saying we can't ever talk about the duopoly. But, you know, my involvement in the Libertarian Party and the, Liber- and the Liberty Movement is not to create a triopoly. OK, I'm not interested in just giving people a third option. OK, I mean, the the point is to set the world free. The point is to get more libertarians. Right. The it's like, yes. If we can, let's get people who are Republican and Democrat to vote Libertarian in an election. I'm not saying that that shouldn't be the goal and then capitalize on that and try to get them to vote Libertarian next time and get them to actually consider joining the party. But we can't ever actually change this country and our society if we're just always this tiny party that's trying to convince a bunch of statists to vote Libertarian for one election. What we have to actually do is convert a lot of those people to being libertarians. And we're not actually going to have any meaningful political victories until libertarians are a large force in this country. You know what I mean? It's like, so it's like, yes, I want to like, you know, I'm I'm not like a radical anarchist who says it has to be all or nothing. I'm okay with some form of incrementalism and decentralization, but don't act like we can do that with the numbers we have now. We and and you know, let's have a sense of urgency and let's. The some people say like this is something you hear a lot in the LNC and in the LPPA. People say, well, the point of the Libertarian Party is to win elections. It's like okay, that, that those are the means of the party, but that's not the purpose, bro. The purpose of the party is to grow the movement and to take on the state and to actually like resist tyranny and to fight for liberty that's the goal of the party is to is to work towards liberty don't confuse your means with your ends the means of the libertarian party is running campaigns getting people elected putting out a, a good message but those aren't our goals those are our means and there's a lot of people that it, you know like and I'm sorry I'm going to be blunt here it's like they sometimes seem to want to be in this giant circle jerk about, you know, all these little things they do. And then when we criticize them because it feels like they don't have their priorities straight, they just like, you know, deflect and be like, well, it's a political party, bro. We're here to win elections. So we, you know, it's like, OK, but if we win elections by, you know, I mean, if if we're just going to say our goal is get as many numbers as we can, we've already strayed so far off the course of our principles that, the whole thing just smells like bullshit now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we can't just be chasing votes. We have to be chasing people. We have to be chasing hearts. It's like, a, what's, what's, what's draw an analogy to the church, right? If I'm a pastor of a church, 
my goal isn't just to fill my church with bodies. My, my goal is to lead people to Christ. And I hope that by leading people to Christ, they want to come to church and they want to bring their families to church and they want to get involved in their community. But, um, and I'm not saying they have to be saved first before they come to the church, but my point is like, if I said my goal is to grow my church from 200 members to 400 members, people would say, I mean, that's kind of a weird goal for a pastor. Like, shouldn't your goal be like, you know, the, the, the deep things? Like, shouldn't your goal be to be a shepherd? Your goal should be to impact people's lives and to make a difference? Like, that's what our goal should be. And sure, there are logistical things that a party, a political party has to do. I understand why ballot access is important. I understand why running people in uncontested elections is important. But you know, it's all about how you're framing these things when you're talking about it and promoting it. Sure, sure, absolutely. Uh, we got a few super chats here. Caleb Brown, four ninety nine super chat. Thanks, sir. He said, "Ooh, the Christian said some curse words. You better get some soap out for that mouth." Uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, sorry. I, I, I'm, I mean, you know, the the what was it? the commandment says, um, "Don't take the Lord's name in vain." Like what that really is talking. And there's another passages out there about like um, you know not using foul language and stuff. Again, I think that's more about targeting it at people. Um, and, you know, taking the Lord's name in vain. Actually, I think what's, what God cares more about when it comes to taking the Lord's name in vain is if somebody claims to do something in the name of God, but what they're doing is actually counterproductive or, or against the teachings that the Bible talks about, more so than if somebody says, like, you know, uh, damn it or shit or fuck. I mean, it's just, these are words, right? Like, like what's the difference between if I say the word fuck or I say crap? You know, of course, if they're the, the, the really, the really like, you know, quote unquote, religious Christians, I don't even like when you say crap. So sure, I, mean, sure. I don't know. Well, and, and that's just not my thing. My, my fiance always gets on me because I listen, I deal with a lot of really God, I hate I hate to say it like this, but it's true. I deal with a lot of really stupid people every day. Right. Like, especially on the Internet <laughs> all the time. I mean, I just do. It's just there's a lot of idiots out there who, you know, especially these people that are actually like constantly attacking my family and talking smack about us and stuff. It's like. I, I can't help but sometimes like face palm and just be like, Jesus, you know, Jesus. She's always like, hey, don't do that. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. And I'm like, sorry, it's really hard. It's really hard for me not to do, but uh, I don't know. Top Lops, the $5 super chat. Thank you, sir. He said, I was deeply involved in the church years ago. Do you notice the overlap of similarities between church and politics? Partly why I keep my distance. Do you see an overlap between uh, the church and, and politics? Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> all too much. That's why I, I my podcast and my page exists because, you know, I'm a big fan of Jordan Peterson, right? And one of his twelve rules is to clean your room, and that doesn't just mean like, just clean your room, like take care of, like yeah, you do want to take care of your own life, get your own shit together first, but then your room can be extended out a little bit, and I consider the church. Like, like Christians, because I am a Christian, th you know, those are kind of my people. Those are that's like, that's the group I'm a part of. And part of cleaning my room to me is like trying to clean up the, the church, trying to help um, lead them back to Christ. And I can't do that myself, of course. I'm just one person. But, um, you know, as much as I have a voice, I'm going to use it, right, and try to influence the people around me. And I hope other people do the same thing. Um, there is 
too much overlap and it's not just right it's not just left it's you see it you see it there you know there's left christians and right christians and both of them mix their politics and their their religion and you know on the right it's a lot with abortion you know it's they the republicans dangle roe versus wade in front of republican voters and basically get them to support anyone or anything as long as you know what i mean like literally someone could almost be advocating for socialism on the right and as long as they said oh but i'm pro-life and i'm going to elect supreme court justices and and stuff to repeal roe versus wade and defund planned parenthood republicans would still very much christian republicans would still very much consider voting for that person and you know on the left it's a little bit different they've they're trying to mix it in a way that on the surface seems better to some people because it's like, well, Jesus said to care for the least of these and, uh, and uh, you know, like Jesus fed the 5,000. So we think that we need to support all these social programs. And, you know, the, the, the problem there is they don't understand economics and they don't understand the, the nature of the state. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there is a lot of overlap and, and, and people entangling these things. Um, you know, I, I'm, so so yeah, I mean, top lobster, you're you're absolutely right. Um, uh, that's why I, I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm trying to I'm trying to wake people up to that. Um, to say, listen, um, one of the reasons Jesus was rejected as Messiah was because he wasn't a political figure. Like people were looking, the Jews, a lot of them were looking for Jesus to overthrow Rome. They were looking to Jesus to come and you know build another kingdom. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said, "My kingdom is not of this world." He said that, you know, and later Paul says, you know, we don't fight against uh, flesh and blood. We fight we fight against principalities. We fight against uh, the forces of darkness. You know, Jesus talked, uh, preached a ministry and a message that uh, it was like central, centered around like three things. It was centered around personal responsibility. It was centered around um, no longer being bound by the old covenant and rather— um, you know, like Jesus came to restore what was lost, right? Um, what was lost within the garden. So like when you have like the imagery of the, the veil being torn after uh, the crucifixion, that's because the veil was the separation between uh, between between us and God. And that was torn. G- Jesus came down and, and now he, you know, lives among us as he always wanted to. Um, and then, but Jesus also came to to refocus us to say, listen, like like I said earlier, when he went after the Pharisees and the religious leaders of that time, he's like, you you have it backwards. You are focused on adorning yourself externally with all these, you know, proclamations of righteousness and making yourself look as righteous as possible. But you you you're you're sick and diseased in your heart, and it's so much more important to go, you know. To, to to look at the heart of the, the the teachings, the heart of the law, and to let that transform you and to live that from the inside out. And, you know, Jesus gave us that example. He he didn't go and sanction to the state to do anything, or he didn't overthrow one state to build another one. I mean, there's the, the temptations of Jesus in the desert. Satan said, listen, if you'll bow to me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. They're mine to give. And Jesus said, uh, you know, de- depart from me, get get behind me. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. So, uh, you know, th- th- there's a mantra of, of Christian anarchists, which is no king but Christ. And that's what the church has to come down to. Uh, and the Christian anarchism, kind of like the philosophy, it describes two relationships, right? There's the vertical relationship between us and God. And we submit to God 
which means we shouldn't be submitting to other kingdoms because, um, you know, that that's a form of idolatry, right? Like that's like breaking the first and second commandment. And we see that with like the Pledge of Allegiance and, the you know, all the anthems and stuff that, that you know, uh, nations get people to, to 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 do and participate in these things are very much uh, conditioning people to worship the state. And you know w- w- what did Jesus say? You can't serve two masters. So when you're mixing those things, you can't actually be a good Christian because you're not fu- you know uh, fully devoted to God. I'll, I'll land on this. The name of my podcast and my page is Daniel Three: Biblical Anarchy, and the reason I did that was because the story of Daniel Three. Just to summarize it quick, that's the story of Meshach, Radshach, and Abednego, and um, they were in uh, uh, Babylon in exile, uh, basically enslaved by Babylon. And the you know the king passed a law and said that everybody had to uh, bow down and worship the king, and they refused. They stood standing, and they said in in that, and this is all in the 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 uh, the chapter of Daniel three, you know, they, they were like, listen, like, if you're not going to do this, we are literally going to throw you into this, into this, uh, furnace of fire. Um, and, and those three sat there and defined said, no, like you can do to us what you will. God will either rescue us or he won't, but we will bow to no one but God. And that's what Christians have to get back to is that kind of consistency to not bow down to any idol whether that's a golden calf or whether that's a piece of cloth with stars and stripes on it. Sure. Yeah, man. Uh, we got a lot more super chats. You guys are awesome, dude. Thank you. Uh, hey, hey, Jake, can you stand up and show the the uh, my my audience that shirt you got going on there, dude? Let's check that thing out, man. <laughs> Look at that thing. Break the yep. cycle. That's the Murray Rothbard patron tier. Look at that. Isn't that nice? That's a nice shirt, dude. I like that a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I wear it too much. My wife's like, you don't, we, you, we wear nothing but libertarian shirts now. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know, like, it's awesome, you know what I mean? Um, you know, you go, there's, uh, it's funny when you have interactions with people, um, and sometimes you meet people who are libertarian too and give you high fives and shit. It's awesome, so. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Shannon Lee, thanks for the $5 super chat. She said, what is your take on Matt Erickson's take with challenging libertarian views? Seems to be making the rounds of debate many libertarians and is dismissive have you have you been following any of that stuff with matt Erickson yeah a little and, bit and the, yeah the I've, I've actually he's agreed to come on my podcast sometime to have a conversation about that stuff we haven't set it up yet but um yeah i mean i've been following all that that and then there's the post-libertarian stuff there's the Vin Armand. i mean there there's so much you know i mean these are all kind of separate but kind of related things um yeah i mean again it's like i get where <sighs> There's there's always this tension between like acting in the world and and I guess like compromising. And it's like there's a lot of people who criticize what we do because they're just like, you know, how can you use the state to 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 beat the state? And, you know, if you were and then Matt's like, well, if you were going to do that, how can you even do that through the libertarian party, you know what I mean? And it's there's there's a whole mix of criticisms and stuff. And it's like there's like, I guess, one 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 pool of criticisms is kind of like, well, there's people like Tho Bishop and others who say, well, the Libertarian Party is just like a crappy vehicle to try to use. Uh, you know, there's a clock ticking. You should go to the Republican Party, where if you're gonna if you're gonna play the game of wielding power against the state, you should go to the Republican Party, which has more power to wield. Um, which I reject that argument because I think Ron Paul showed how that's, you know, 
not like it can be like it was effective for a time as far as like Ron Paul being able to put a good message out. But, um, you know, they might let you do some stuff on the local level. I'm not against that. If there's people in certain areas where there's not a prominent libertarian party, uh, you know, like in their county or state or whatever, and they need to run as a Republican in for a certain position. Okay. But like, you know, you can only get, you can get some stuff done on the local level, but on the federal level, like, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the cathedral is, is way too corrupt and, and, uh, powerful to really, take on head on in the Republican party. I mean, or even look at what the, you know, look at what Republicans did to Ron Paul and look at what Democrats did to Bernie Sanders. You know what I mean? Like these institutions are so corrupt. You can't do anything there. Um, but then the other criticisms about like consistency and stuff. I mean, again, it's, I keep going back to the Pharisee comparison. It's just like, I'm not concerned with my, like, it's almost a form of virtue signaling, isn't it? Kind of like, look how consistent I am. I'm so anarchist. I don't even, I'm not part of the Libertarian Party. And I don't, you know, I don't do any of this stuff. And I just, like, okay, but I, I don't know. Like, still getting fined uh, for letting your grass get too long, though, aren't you, buddy? Well, and it's like, is that going to get people out of jail for smoking weed? Is that going to stop the wars? I mean, like, I, I like agorism. Don't get me long. I'm a big fan of agorism. Um, I think that building, uh, counter economics, uh, like using counter economics and building um, things that can replace the state. I'm all for that. Um, but I think there's kind of a division of labor that's needed here. Um, there's things that agorism can do that are uh, that, that politics can't do. But conversely, there's things that politics can do that that agorism can't. And I think, um, you know, I really wish that it's just like, listen, if you don't like what I'm doing, that's fine. Go do your own thing. Um, let's not, let's all not waste so much time attacking people for doing things that we, you know what I mean? That, that we don't agree with. And it's just like, but, but it's, we, we all, you don't get a pencil if everybody makes erasers. You know what I mean? Like you get a pencil when some people make the erasers and some people make the wood and some people make the graphite. Like you, you need the division of labor. Everyone, you know, we can't get to freedom through, uh, centralization, and 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 saying like we all have to do the same thing yeah uh two dollar super chat from john howe thank you sir great lawyer from new york good guy i hope you're running for office now man uh he says atheist who likes jesus here i like this guy is that a thing is that yeah i mean there's a lot of like jordan like jordan peterson and other people have you know big followings of people who are like atheists but they like the uh, the, the the Bible and the religion from like a uh, whether it's like a psychological perspe uh, perspective or uh, just looking at it from like a mythological perspective or you know whatever I mean it's you know and, and it's like you know what I do on my podcast isn't just for people who deeply believe in God you can be an atheist and still like I mean a if you have Christian friends and family you can at least you know take some of the things that I talk about and. Um, use them in your conversations with those people to help push them in the right direction. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, like, and I know people, people hate on Jordan Peterson because he's not like a, a you know, he, he's great on a lot of things and he has libertarian leanings, but he's not actually like a, you know, consistent libertarian. And I get that. But there's a lot of what Jordan Peterson does and says that I think is really spot on. And, you know, Peterson talks a lot about the utility of, of stories and narratives and archetypes. And you don't have to believe in the stories of the Bible as being true in any sense 
to get something out of them. You know what I mean? Those 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 stories can still teach lessons about human life and about uh, freedom and love and and how we interact with our fellow man that um, can be valuable. Yeah, uh, I I don't disagree with you there. That's for sure. Um, Calvin five dollars super chat. Thank you. He said, "Do Christian libertarians notice more the difference between Protestant and Catholic libertarians, or the similarities of being Christian libertarians?" Not sure. I yeah, I don't I'm know. not sure I got that. Can I don't you... understand it either, Calvin. You might have to re- reword that and put it back in the chat. Uh, do Christian <laughs> do Christian libertarians notice more the difference between? Protestant and Catholic libertarians or the similarities of being Christian libertarians. Yeah. You might have to reword that one, man. I'm sorry. I apologize. Yeah. I, I can't get it. Calvin, either. if you're I'm watching, trying. if you're watching, put it back in the chat and, and tell us what you mean. Uh, Caleb Brown, $5 super chat. What's the dumbest argument against Christian anarchism you've ever heard? You can't be a Christian. You can't be an anarchist and a Christian because uh, you, you worship God. So you believe in a master and it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, like, it's like the word anarchist is used in a specific way. And I don't mean anarchist in a sense of like, I reject all hierarchy and I reject all types of authority and I reject all, um, you know, uh, yeah, it's not a, to me, anarchy is not a rejection of all authority. Um, I think parents have authority over their kids. Right. I think that, uh, you know, in a voluntary sense, um, pastors have authority over their their flock and their deacons and stuff uh an employer has authority over his employees um you know there's there's all sorts of ways that you can have authority but it doesn't have to be coercive it doesn't have to be um uh, tyrannical or or um this gets a little bit into semantics you know what i mean but um I've always described it, and I think I said this earlier, but it's all about it's Christian anarchism is 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 delineating between the vertical and the horizontal. The relationship between God and man, that vertical relationship, yes, I you know, like no king but Christ, um, I obey God. So yes, I do submit to him, but I mean, you know, I do that in a voluntary sense. I'm choosing to do that. But the horizontal relationships, man to his fellow man, you know, I have no right to own anybody else. I have no right to uh, their property. I have no right to their labor. I have no right to initiate force against them. So there's nothing in Christianity that is an- antithetical to anarchism. And and if anything, I think uh, the the tenets of Christianity uh, support and and preach libertarianism. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Daniel W., thank you, uh, $2 Super Chat. I, I, I know Daniel uh, from Twitter and Facebook. I do too. And uh, I, I can never say his last name, so I really am appreciating him just putting Wiki? it as W. Wiki, I think? Yeah, yeah. It, it looks like that to me too, but I'm not sure. He says uh, Protestant uh, Protestantism led to the modern nation state. Do you think that's true? Um. I mean, I'd have to see what he's talking about specifically. I mean, um, you know, it, it, I think that sometimes it's like, listen, my my project is a big tent. I don't I don't hate on Catholics, and my argument is never that Protestants don't also do the same the 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 same game of entangling politics and religion. Like, yeah, Protestants did it too. Absolutely, no argument there. But, you know, I, when people ask me, where did the entanglement start? Well, I mean, it, it didn't start with the apostles. 
It didn't start with the the church in the first two to three, you know, hundred years. It started with Constantine and and Catholicism. So my my criticism there is not to say that Catholics can't be libertarian or that Protestants are inherently better libertarians. I'm just pointing out historical origins and and where things stem from. Um, you know, it's, it's important to know where you came from to kind of know where you're going and, and how to fix things. Um, you know, I bring it up because I think in a lot of ways it was like, I think the Christians got persecuted so badly by the state for so long that like the opportunity came for them to trade uh, their principles for security. And we see the consequences of that. Yeah. And, you know, we're still feeling that today. Yes. But listen, like, like, you know, Tom Woods is a Catholic and he's an amazing libertarian. There's nothing about being Catholic that keeps you from being a libertarian or an anarchist and a good one at that. Just like there's nothing about being Protestant that inherently makes it easier for you to be. So I have a lot of love and camaraderie with my my Catholic uh uh, brothers and sisters. There's no, there's no conflict here. Um, you know, and if anything, you know, just like the Macy's caucus talked about like, Hey, like, let's not get caught up in our little disagreements on these, like, you know, like the 20% we disagree on. Let's not focus on that. Let's focus on the 80% we do agree on, you know, us in the Christian libertarian community, we got to do the same thing. Um, you know, we can talk a little bit once in a while about our, our different denominations and different views on, on, you know, church, structure and scripture but we have way more that we agree with than agree on than we disagree on so let's let's focus on that yeah i agree uh calvin reworded his uh his question i think so he says do catholic libertarians and protestant libertarians feel more of a kinship with with each other or a strong bond over being christians i think so yeah i think for the most part i think you know sometimes when again like this is kind of similar to the last question um yeah it's always tough it's like i don't want to avoid facts just because they might rub people the wrong way um so like i'm not going out of my way to be offensive to catholics but i'm I'm, you know i'm not going to avoid those facts but um yeah i think there's a lot of, of camaraderie i mean heck i uh every two weeks i have caleb brown who does the catholic libertarian uh podcast on my show we do a show together um, so there's a lot of love and camaraderie there. Daniel, uh, W is a Catholic, uh, a good friend, Reed, who's in my County is a Catholic, you know, actually it, it, you know, there's, there's a lot of Catholic libertarians. I think I personally probably know more Catholic libertarians than Protestant libertarians. Um, so I think there's a lot of good, a lot of goodwill and a lot of camaraderie, um, you know, and we're all, you know, and, and the, I'll go even further. I have a lot of camaraderie with with atheist libertarians. You know what I mean? We get along great. I had um, I've had Jose Galison on my show. I'm gonna have Ben Heckman on. I got that um, Jose guy's a nerd though. But go ahead. Sorry. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I I, I had a uh, um, uh, uh, Reed Coverdale on. It's like um, I I want to build you know issue coalitions. Uh, you know. Um, and work together with with people who value liberty from all different backgrounds. Like I don't just want to find people who are Christian. Um, but the point of my podcast is just to, you know, uh, because I'm a Christian, I want to be able to push people who have my same religious beliefs towards the direction of liberty. And just like you know, I hope I think everybody, you know, we we probably do that. Sure. Yeah. In our little circles. Uh, we're getting close to the end here. Um, I I. I... I want to. I'm going to save this last question uh, for a second. 
uh, from Shannon Lee, the $5 super chat. I appreciate it. But uh, I want to know, everybody's watching the show, anybody who's watched my show a bunch, uh, I kind of did some new formatting today. And you've, as you've noticed, uh, Jacob is not just in the corner over here. Uh, uh, like normal, I am actually bringing him onto a full screen. Uh, if you guys like that, drop uh, $1 Super Chats in the chat and let me know if you like that or just tell me in the chat that you like it. You don't really actually have to Super Chat. But it'd be cool if you just dropped a whole bunch of $1 Super Chats to tell me that you like that. Uh, going forward, I'd like to use that more because I think it's better to give them a bigger spotlight than just the corner of my show. But then you don't get to see this horrendous face uh, all the time like normal. But anyways... So Shannon Lee actually asked a really good question that I think both of us could answer pretty well. I know I certainly can. Uh, she says, do you think the LP should do more community outreach? Like uh, Republican Scott Pressler, he's slaying voter registration and positively uh, giving back to the community. Missed opportunity. Man, the Libertarian Party is not great at that. Yeah, I mean, um, for sure. I mean, I think that's more for the county parties to probably do. But, you know, if the state parties and national want to want to do stuff, I, I mean, I, I'm not against that. Yeah, I mean, community outreach is important, um, whether it's, you know, food drives or going out there. And, um, you know, we, we have to show people um, that not just in a theoretical sense that the free market can uh, work better. We have to like this is where I have a lot of um camaraderie with like with my uh my agorist friends which is like you know don't just focus on politics um and you can use the political um you know county affiliates and state affiliates to do this if you want or you can just do it without like it doesn't matter but like we, we need to be showing people that our ideas work and showing people that volunteerism is better than uh better than the state better than authoritarianism because you can take care of people and you know like at the end of the day, like what the state does with its welfare programs is it is it is it holds people back. You know what I mean? Like it keeps like the state doesn't have a welfare program that's designed for people to get out of poverty. It's designed to keep them there perpetually. Wouldn't it be better to build a system where when people fall in hard times, we don't just give them handouts indefinitely and keep them in Section 8 housing and and incentivize them to be single parents and, and all these awful things that the welfare system does to to, to, to the to families and to children and all that, but let's use volunteerism to show people that um, we can take care of people, they won't fall through the cracks, and our goal is to get them out of poverty. Um, and I think we can, you know, you can do that in your church, you can do that on your own. I know like Tom Woods just put out a, uh, a podcast where he had that one guy on that has that, I can't remember the name of it, but... Um, it's like for stuff overseas where you can donate to, to people who, who are going through like hard times overseas, like help pay for their medical things or, or, or whatever. Like we, you know, there's the, um, the libertarian, um, $5 charity club run through uh, Liberty memes, you know, like there's so many of these things out there and the, you know, we need more of them. Um, we need to be showing people, um, not just, you know, Oh, once we get to a free market, we'll do all these things. No, let's do it now. And, um, you know, that's going to draw people in. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, dude, I, I really appreciate you coming on. You, you've been great. And uh, I think you broke down a lot of, a lot of, uh, issues people might have with religion and, and, uh, libertarianism or libertarians with religion. And, uh, I, I agree, you know, like I, I was saying before we started the show, I kind of fell away from, uh, I lost my religion losing, yeah, right? Like the REM song, <laughs> lost my religion, uh, for, for several years. 
Um, and, uh, you know, a little over a year ago, I started kind of coming back to it and got more involved with the church. And, um, it's been, it's been really, it's been a really good thing for me. And I think it's been a really good resource for, uh, the kids, especially the ones that we adopted, they found kind of, uh, some peace of mind in the church. And I think that's been a really good thing for them. Um, and, and of course they have like, you know, uh, kids service and stuff like that, which is really nice for them and calming. And it's not like the, the chaos that they've been used to. So I'm super appreciative, but man, where can my, uh, my followers find you, sir? Where can they support you? How can they listen to you? What should they do? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll say that in a second, just, just real quick. I wanted to say too, I mean, it's good that you're going to church, and we need—like, I, I know a lot of a lot of us libertarian Christians have been damaged by the church, and sometimes the churches can be so, like, cucked for the state that it's, like, you know, hard for us to want to go and, like, be around all these statists. But, like, we have to go. We have to be willing to go there and to, you know, be the minority and to speak the truths that have to be spoken. And I hope that as you continue to go, you can be a leader in your church and help— and help to push these ideas that that we're we're talking about. Um, so you can find me on um, so I'm on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Biblical Anarchy is my hashtag on or my 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 handle at Twitter. Um, uh, podcast and stuff you can find that pretty much anywhere. YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that. Daniel three uh, Biblical Anarchy is what you have to uh, what you have to search for. And um, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. Uh, you know, stick around for the, the exclusive stream. Uh, I'll be, I'll be done here in just a couple minutes and then we'll start that stream, brother. Sounds good. All right. Thanks a lot. All right, guys, another awesome episode of break the cycle with, uh, my friend, Jacob Winograd. You guys should definitely go check him out. Uh, you know, if you're into the religious thing, uh, he's a good, he's a good follow, but he's also a great libertarian and a really nice guy, man. So definitely go check him out, follow him. Uh, enjoy his content, support him if you'd like to, uh, and also check out our sponsors. As per the huge, uh, we have Lorenzotti.coffee for all your delicious Italian coffee needs delivered directly to your door. Uh, bring the Taste of Italy home. Use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount. And, of course, my friend, my partner, uh, my my homie, the coolest guy I know, toplobster.com for all your wonderful graphics uh, designs. Go check him out. S- support him, man. Give the guy some money. He's got some of the dopest gear around, and he hand draws everything. The guy is so busy. He's a truck driver. He's trying to move his family out of uh, the the New York area, and he's drawing all of this wonderful stuff for the movement. Uh, he's doing something that I certainly can't do. So uh, go check him out. Use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount. Or join my Patreon, my Subscribestar, or the channel membership here where you get all kinds of great stuff, including the exclusive after-hour stream uh, that we're going to go and do right right after this that I do with all of my guests. We have great after-hour streams up there with Maj Teray, Tom Woods, Stefan Kinsella, I mean, just it's really awesome stuff. You guys should definitely go check it out. Uh, Patreon, obviously, you get some other swag. Uh, on here, on on YouTube, you get um, uh, custom emojis, hand drawn by Top Lobster, and of course, uh, you get to rep that badge, that uh, Break the Cycle badge, and show people how long you've supported the the channel. Uh, but if you join any of those things and you get into the private Discord server with great people, uh, you can get Top Lobster gear up to two weeks before he drops new gear. Uh, for the general public at like a 30% discount. It's crazy. Like literally crazy. My, my, my patrons have loved it. They've gotten some great stuff, including like his most uh, recent uh, Ross Ulbricht shirt that he put out, which is really, really nice. And of course, Anthem Planning, executive producers of the show, anthemplanning.com. Check them out today. See what they can do for your home, uh, family, or, or personal life. Uh, they are all of your c- central planning needs, uh, emergency and crisis planning needs. Uh, I got triggered again. I said central planning. Uh, uh, check them out today. 
Um, they're doing a job that the government sucks at much more efficiently and much cheaper. Guys, coming up on the show tomorrow, I'm going to have based-ass lawyer Eric Matheny uh, on to talk about all kinds of conservative issues. Uh, this guy's pretty cool, man. I'm excited to have him on. He's got a show called uh, Bob and Eric Save America. He's a, he's a based patriot. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully, uh, hopefully they will not kick me off of YouTube for having him on. I will see you guys for uh, tomorrow. Listen, if you want to go watch the exclusive streams live, join the YouTube channel right now. It's underneath all my videos. There's a link that says join. It's like six bucks a month. You get all those badges. Uh, if you're always in the live chats, it's really worth it because you get all the cool badges, including the ones that are like Nick Ashley with his BK crown. Um, and you get those, or, or the emojis, and then you get the badges that say how long you've been there. But you get to watch the uh, exclusive after hour stream live. Um, the patrons and the subscribe stars get to see it the next day or the day after when it gets uh, uploaded. But I will see you tomorrow for the show with Eric Matheny. Till then, don't forget to break the cycle. Due to legal reasons, I just have to explain. The lyrics of my last song may seem to contain a violent call to action in the verse and the frame. But I just can't in Minecraft. The helicopter part was in reference to GTA 5 and the things you do. So when he finds you commit, I am not an excuse because I just can't in Minecraft. What chipper is my friend and he's constantly cold. Accusations of incitement getting totally old. Make your own choices, yeah, you have control Because I just landed in Minecraft Obviously I would never advocate force Unless it's due process and a trial, of course And if you're convicted, we will make you a corpse In Minecraft, just in Minecraft You're nothing I mean, you know it The product is getting close to COVID 